what we need to do is create safe environments. So if we can curate our environment and make it feel safe, we reduce the fear. Hey yo, Johnny Dumas here, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, and welcome to Team Engineered. If you're looking to lead a team of engineers or engineer your team for greatness, tune in now with your podcast hosts, Jade Green and Kyle Probert, and be prepared to ignite. So welcome to this week's Vare workshop, and today we're going to cover how we can annihilate overwhelm. So based on some of the things that I'm hearing from all of the members lately and just what we're seeing in the world, I thought this would be a really beneficial training session. So the stuff that we're going to go through today has come from my studies with the Flow Research Collective across a couple of their different training modules. So from Zero to Dangerous, from the Flow Trainer Program and also High Flow Leadership. And I'll also reference a couple of white papers and Harvard business review uh, articles that have pulled this information together. So what I want you to know is when we're talking about this stuff, it's actually grounded actually in science and research. It's not just like a a concept that I uh, pulled from thin air just listening to you guys on the coaching calls. And it's today's session is designed to be interactive. So I do encourage you to grab a pen if you can and grab the worksheets. So there's a PDF version um, available that can put onto your Remarkables or your iPads. There's a Word document if you want to type into it or print it out. So what I want to start with is what is overwhelm? So just take a note. I want you to jot down on whatever you're writing. What is overwhelm to you? I want you to think about how does it actually affect you? So how does it affect you physically? Where do you feel overwhelm in your body? How does it affect your mental state? How does it affect how you show up as a person? How does it affect how you behave and react? So let's have a look what overwhelm really is. Okay. So overwhelm is stress manifested in an emotional state, feeling like you can't cope or deal with the current situation. Now the current situation could be a long-term situation that you're in with work or life, or it could be a interaction you're having with someone at that point in time or a, a task that you're trying to deal with. Common words or phrases that are used by people that are feeling overwhelmed. Just uh, put a hand up if any of these resonate with you. I'm drowning. <laughs> Not waving, drowning. <laughs> I'm feeling swamped, overloaded, inundated, buried, I'm just buried in work, buried in things to do. I feel defeated or deflated. I feel like I'm struggling. I'm like, I'm just struggling right now. Overworked, just overworked right now. There's so much going on. There's too much to do. There's just so much going on. I never have enough time. There's just not enough hours in the day or days in the week. Or weeks in the year. (laughs) All right. And overwhelm can often come with thoughts and feelings like there's just no time to catch my breath. I'm just running nonstop. It's like, at any point, everything could just come undone. It's like, if I don't just keep running, if I just don't keep it together, shit's going to go south. It's going to explode. It's going to get chaotic. And how the hell am I going to do all this and get all of this done on time? Have we had any of those feelings? Like when you look back over what we just wrote, does any of that resonate? Yeah? It's a lot, right? So let's just have a look at what can cause it. So there's this new this new terminology, this new diagnosis out in the the world of psychology and coaching. And it's called ADT. So attention deficit trait. Now this is the core 
thing that's causing overwhelm in the 21st century. So unlike attention deficit disorder, which is a neurological disorder that has obviously a genetic component and can be aggravated by environmental factors, right? ADT springs entirely from the environment. So completely from the situations and the inputs that we're getting from around us, right? Which means it's something that can be controlled because it's not a neurological or hereditary or an actual mental illness as such. It's a trait that's being developed as a reaction to a situation or an environment or a stimulus. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm actually going to read you a... Um, an article that was written by Catherine McLean and it's the understanding of ADD and the attention deficit disorder and I'll give you a link to the entire um, the entire article it's kind of a summary of the full longer article that was written by the Harvard Business Review around overloaded circuits and why smart people start to underperform which is a way more detailed version I'll also give you a link to that so you can go through it but let me just let me read this to you Okay, so in January 2005, Harvard Business Review published. So 2005, this was originally published, right? So this has been a compounding epidemic that they're now saying is like a full pandemic of uh, reactions that has start, started being recognized all the way back in 2005. Okay, so in, in a, the Harvard Business Review published an article called Overloaded Circus, Why Smart People Underperform. It's a description of the of the executive being bombarded by emails, Blackberry beeps. Okay, so we don't have Blackberry beeps anymore, right? So uh, iPhone beeps, Android beeps, every single notification, a Slack notification, bing, ClickUp notification, bing, Trello, bing, calendar, bing, all the binging, right? Messenger, all of those things, voicemails, constant interruptions, back-to-back -back meetings and deadlines that never end Remember, I'm list dexic, so this makes it reading this makes it really hard for me, guys. Uh, <laughs> the never the never end and is always too familiar for to us. We're like we're so used to hearing all of these pattern interrupting things that are bombarding us. I think Tani, you were in a session with me uh, the other week where I was talking about the iPhone watches or the i the the wearable watches constantly when they tip, we're like interrupted. We're interrupted. It's fucking up our flow. And worse, it's fucking up the flow of the people that we're sitting with because it's a constant disruption, right? That, phones on the table, going vibrating. All of these things are like, they're like frying our brain. Okay, back to the article. So let's think about this. This executive is constantly in touch with her business, at least eight hours a day. I wish eight hours a day. Seven days a week. And unlike attention deficit disorder, being ADD, a neurological disorder that has genetic component that, and can be aggravated by event, environmental and physical factors. ADT, so attention deficit trait, springs entirely from the environment. Historically, and never before, has our brain been asked to track so many data points. When the mind is coping, it is being governed, and, uh, governed effectively by the frontal and prefrontal lobes of the cortex. So those of you that were on our session last week about how to hack our brain to get the results that we want, we talked about the neocortex being in our logic brain that's in control and our amygdala and hippocampus that can go crazy when we go into fight or flight. So I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more. So just think about the frontal and prefrontal loads are part of our cortex, the neocortex, which guides our decision making and planning the organization and the prioritization of information and ideas and time management. Okay, so let me just share this for you. Picture of the brain if you're just listening. Can you see the cursor? The purple bit is what we were talking about with the neocortex, right? And the hippocampus, then the amygdala, is where our fight or flight responses, because it's our memory centers. And so when we form memories from the past or memories that scare us, they're the two things that are in control, okay? Now, we are the uh, beings that have the largest frontal lobes and cortexes, right? So we have this huge frontal lobe and 
that is really what drives our ability to stay online and cope and make logical decisions. When this gets overwhelmed, then our amygdala and hippocampus starts to shoot all of those chemicals. So the neuroepinephrine and the serotonin down our spinal cords, which sends our body into freak out, which then takes our logic brain offline, causing us to get overwhelmed, right? So these centers, there, and this again, I'm just reading from the, the article for you now. These centers are pumping up your attention with motivation and won't interfere with your working memory, which is what you need to track many data, the data points coming in when your frontal lobe and your neocortex is online. But when the brain suddenly has to deal with the sixth decision after the fifth interruption in the midst of the search for the ninth piece of missing information on the same day that the third deal has collapsed, the brain goes, fuck balls. Okay, that's not in the, <laughs> that bit's not in the article. That's just my interpretation, right? Uh, it begins to panic. It, it starts to react as if we're responding to a saber-toothed tiger, right? And it's like, oh my God, I'm going to get attacked. The deep centers now interpret, it, interpret the messages from the frontal lobe and start sending alarm signals of fear, panic, anxiety, and irritability down to amygdala and hippocampus that then go, fuck, pump, pump all the chemicals right? The frontal lobe is now hijacked by the deep centers, messages coming back up. So deep center being down here. And now we fail to be able to assert calm and start making rational decisions. So Daniel Gorman, Gorman, Gorman has coined the term amygdala hijacking, <laughs> right? The amygdala comes in and hijacks all of our functions. And it's like, oh shit, now we're going offline. Uh, when our deep centers are hijacked, our rational thought and how we re respond to a challenging stimulation with turns into responding with anger, fear, and anxiety. We are robbed of our flexibility or our sense of humor and our ability to deal with the unknown. So when we like, again, sidebar from the, from the article, when we are unable to deal with the unknown, what's that? It's anxiety, right? And for me, I feel like overwhelm and anxiety are, are like close cousins, right? When I'm overwhelmed, I'm anxious about what's going to happen in the future. Everything could fucking just fall to shit in the middle of like at any moment. I don't know how I'm going to get all this done. It's all that sort of future pacing sort of thoughts that are starting to freak you out. And if I don't deal with this, what's going to happen or how are they going to think of me? And that's kind of the linkage for me. Okay. If we think about this, we start to forget about the, the, the bigger picture, right? We forget about the goals. We forget about the values, uh, which, which we really stand for because we're just like, we lose our creativity. We lose our ability to change course and because we've lost that flexibility to make decisions. And we fail to see that the choice that humans alone have a species can react to any situation. So think about this. There's a great lesson from Viktor Frankl, and we kind of forget this lesson. He's a German psychiatrist who survived the Nazi concentration camps. And Frankl once wrote, even in the midst of the most dire and of all human conditions, we always have a choice about how we can respond. So we did a bit of work on this even yesterday in our uh, Monday morning motivation and mindset, right? We can take a minute to check in on our fingerprints to calm ourselves down, to re-regulate so that we can take a breath, so that we can respond rather than react. I think the key here is remembering that we can have a choice, right? When we go into overwhelm, we feel we don't have choice anymore because we've gone into flight, fight or freeze because we've let the hippocampus and the amygdala come into control and panic and dump the dump the chemicals right and we're just trying to do those things rather than have free agency and choice okay so when we're in survival mode we're literally robbed of our agility robbed of our sense of humor we need that sense of humor right to be able to make light of the situation and not take things too seriously and be able to look at the the bigger picture right we 
we've got to step away from the fear of the unknown. The problem is when we go into that mode, we just desperately want to kill the metaphorical tiger and stop the anxiety. And so we just start to freak. Okay. The great thing is though, we don't have to succumb to the hijack uh, that wants to bypass our rational and our rational frontal lobes. If our minds are in a healthy state, we're able to press pause, even if it's just for a split second. So I know Tani, you said on the weekend, you utilize some of the tools from last week's training to like, okay, I'm just going to take a breath. I'm going to reset. I'm not going to react in a, a way that's not going to serve this situation. And I'm just going to calm down. Right? So these are just like, we've got some really practical tools in our belt to be able to utilize this stuff. Okay. What we want to do is not forget about the bigger picture. We don't want to forget about our goals. We don't want to think, we don't want to worry about all of that stuff. Right? We want to just be able to go, right. Is what I'm dealing with right here, right now, really a threat to who I am and the bigger picture? Or is it just how I'm feeling about the situation in this moment? Okay, so it's a great question to ask ourselves. So now I want to talk about like what triggers the ADT, right? Because honestly, the majority of our stuff is not real it's triggered by that environment it's it's triggered by the stimulus that's happening around us i just want to share um this quote this is this one is actually from um the harvard business review one so the guy who wrote the article is a specialist in studying add adhd and learning difficulties And he said, as a specialist in learning disabilities, he has found that the most dangerous disability is not any formally diagnosable condition like dyslexia or ADD. Thank God for me. (laughs) Oh shit, it's fear. Why fear? What did we just learn? Because we're taking our neocortex and our frontal lobes offline that allow us to think rationally, make clear decisions, be agile, have fun with it, look at the bigger picture. And we're putting our fear center in control and it dumps. Okay. So fear shifts us into survival mode and thus our fluid learning and prevents us from fluid learning and nuanced understanding. So what does this mean? What could this mean for us? Right. If we're talking about work environments for a minute, let's talk about work environments, actually work environments, home environments, doesn't matter wherever you are a leader. And we're all leaders in our orbit if we choose to be. What we need to do is create safe environments. So if we can curate our environment and make it feel safe, we reduce the fear, right? And we're going to go through some of the things that make us not feel safe. But I don't know about you, like sometimes if I go into like a big crowd, and there's like heaps of noise going on and I can't actually hear clearly. There's like lots of lights. There's just people everywhere. There's all this energy. I start to feel unsafe because I feel like I'm not in control and I may miss hearing something that I need to hear. I may not make the right step because I can't see because everything's going crazy, right? This is like external stimulus if we think about the physical environment. But what about the emotional environment? What are we doing to make people be able to be vulnerable, to be able to share and be able to talk about these things? So what's really, really unfortunate is that in this day and age, most of our behavior is rewarded for our ability to do more shit faster. And we pride ourselves on sleep deprivation and out grinding, out hustling. We, in big corporates, People get rewarded for not asking for help. They get rewarded for not needing to have support um, teams and staff. And often they get kind of shunned if they ask for help. Right? If we do that, right? If we create environments like that, you might get some short-term gain out of your people. Like they might hustle for a bit, but they're going to break and they're going to burn out. Right? 
if you want to optimize, if we think about when we're online, our creativity, our logical thinking, our ability to handle situations, to deep think and come up with better solutions, the only way that we're going to do that is we create environments where people can be vulnerable, can be safe, can put their hand up and say, do you know what? I'm hitting the overwhelm. And when I hit my overwhelm, my brain's starting to fog down or shut down and my creativity is going offline. My ability to develop better solutions for this company isn't happening. I need to be able to take some break or I need some support. Then we're going to get a far more effective workforce that stays longer with us and develops better results. So it may take a little bit longer, but we all know anything worth having is worth waiting for, right? And if we, if we do things that are knee jerk, we're going to end up with back end big ass problems. Tani, actually we, we talked about this, was it yesterday? Uh, even thinking through one of the culture activities that we wanna run for the team, if we knee jerked, did it and didn't think through all of the consequences, the back end like drama and issues that that could cause and downtime within the teams and dissatisfaction amongst the managers and and actually even the bottom line of the business could have been catastrophic, could have been a real big fuck up. It's just taking that moment and we were rushing because we're like, we need to get this done, need to get this done. It's like, no, actually we're overwhelmed with the amount of shit that needs to get done. We just need to, we just need to take the foot off the gas. And even if that means going, right, cut our losses to make sure that we've got the train firmly on the tracks before we go charging forward, otherwise it's gonna derail, okay? So just take a moment just to think through what I've said there. Where could you be creating more of a safe environment, removing fear either at work or at home for your orbit? Like if we really want to make peak performance workplaces, it's lowering the fear, lowering the anxiety, creating a safe space. And I'm going to go through some other techniques for doing that. But like connection is a huge one as well. Same at home, same with our mini humans. Like we all know what a kid's like when they hit overwhelm. Let's talk about the symptoms of ADT. Now on your workbooks, you'll have a checkbox next to uh, each of them. I want you to tick every box that is relevant to you regularly. So I want you to think about, say the last month, would you say you've had this feeling regularly? Heightened distractibility and a persistent feeling of being rushed or in a hurry. Inability to stay sane, lengthy, and full attention to a thought, a conversation, an image, a paragraph, a diagram, a sunset, or anything else. <laughs> you know, you're trying, to watch, you're trying to watch TV, but you're texting on your phone. I honestly, when I, was, when I was putting this together last night, I was like, oh, maybe I wrote this just for myself. <laughs> Maybe I'm not ADHD after all. Maybe I'm just ADT. <laughs> a growing tendency towards impatience, boredom, dissatisfaction, restlessness, irritability, frustration, frenzy, or sometimes feeling like you're approaching panic. A tendency to hop from task to task or idea to idea or place to place. A tendency to make decisions impulsively rather than reflecting and taking the time to think them through. And this one you need to have extreme honesty on. Like if you really think about it, did you take the time to reflect on something or did you just make the decision? A tendency to put off difficult work or conversations coupled with a tendency to overfill your day with feckless busy work. Busy being busy. A tendency to feel overwhelmed, even when reality, we're not. So I definitely know we've got one of our teammates that we work with and he constantly feels overwhelmed. But when we sit down and unpack it and build out the project management board, at the end it's like, oh, oh shit. Actually, that's really quite manageable. I don't feel overwhelmed anymore. So the feeling of overwhelm comes mainly from the uncertainty and potentially because we're in a state of fear and all of these other stimuli is causing the overwhelm rather than, gen rather than genuine overwhelm based on the tasks. Make sense? A difficulty in fully enjoying 
present moments and genuine achievements because our brain is elsewhere and we're already thinking about the next things. A feeling of loss of control over your own life and it, or work, life and work, and a nagging feeling of what am I missing? There must be something I'm missing. Everyone else got the guidebook, but I didn't. What the fuck am I missing? <laughs> the reoccurring th thought that someday I will make time for what really matters, but I don't have time for that today. <laughs> this was painful to create this, just so you guys know. <laughs> yes, I am definitely, I am definitely spending the two days next week and not giving them up to other people to do the important work that matters that I've said I was going to do since I took on the amazing super butcher in June last year, which was the last time I was meant to do it. And then I got put off and put off and put off. <laughs> okay. A growing compulsive need for frequent electronic hits. For example, checking emails, speaking to your phone. Nobody speaks to their phone, do they? No. Sending or receiving texts, Googling random subjects, visiting favorite websites, playing games, and coupled with an almost addictive yearn, that's what say, sorry, yearn, for them when they're unavailable. So extreme honesty on that one. Do you, do, have you ever found yourself with your phone in your hand, checking Instagram and then going, how the fuck did I get here? It's like, how did I get here? Even though I've moved it from the home screen. Like just, it was just, you, you were walking somewhere. You couldn't just walk and enjoy the scenery. You had to see if anyone had messaged, right? You're driving in your car and you're sitting in the traffic lights and you've got your phone on the holder and you're like, oh, well, I'll just have a look at my Facebook notifications because, you know, something really, really fucking important in the world might happen right now, right? That, that, that dopamine hit of like trying to see what else is going on right? The freak out when you don't have your phone, like that feeling of like, oh shit, I left my phone at home or it's run out of battery. Oh man. I've seen some people going to meltdown when their phones run out of battery. I'm like, oh, it's the best thing in the world. Right? So really think about that. Like what, what is your attachment to notifications? What is your attachment to the digital world? Because a DT is primarily caused by the external stimulation of the environment being things like notifications and sounds and pattern interrupts constantly at us, right? We've talked about like being able to um, manage distractions and, and get manage these notifications and go into focus mode and all of that. But I really, it, you really need to have a look at your own uh, relationship with these things and be super honest about them. So in the workbook, uh, I want you to, you've got a second, um, you've got a box there that gives you us on a scale of one to 11, cause there was 11 boxes to tick. I want you to count how many ticks you got in those boxes. I, when I was going through that, I was like scared, scared. It's like, I got some work to do. Uh, I need some, yeah, look, I blame that ADHD, but now I'm looking at, okay, actually there's probably a whole bunch there that I can do that's related to the ADT. So now have a look in your workbook, the next box down. I want you to tick the boxes of the things that you think will have the biggest impact on you reducing your overwhelm and feeling like you are more calm and in control. So, Obviously, ADT is the enemy of performance, right? Performance at home, performance in the orbit, performance as a dad, as a, as a sibling, as a friend, as a colleague, as a business leader, right? Because overwhelm and the state of ADT is a result of high cognitive load and overload, right? It's about we've got too much information. Our brain is trying to process too much information. So external stimulus from the environment is making our brains try and figure out all the data points, like be aware of any threats, listen to anything that might be important to us. There's just so much going on in our brain that it's like, ah, out. Okay. Overwhelm is a flow blocker and it disrupts the challenge skills balance. So we know we want a 4% 
For most people, 4% challenge skills balance is the sweet spot to hit flow. And when we've got too much overload, it's too challenging, right? And it's throwing out our balance. So we can't hit the flow zone. If we can't hit flow zone, we can't be in peak performance. We can't be the best version of ourselves, okay? ADT destroys flow as it drives excessive norepinephrine and cortisol. Remember I talked about from hippocampus and amygdala driving bad chemicals down our spine and into our body, sending the wrong signals to our neocortex, taking it offline and our logic brain not being able to function, reducing our ability to operate at peak performance. Okay. So what drives it and causes the ADT? It's when our demands outweigh our resources and therefore we're hitting that overwhelm zone. So what can we do about that? Right? With all those things we read, there's a lot of stuff there that we can actually take control of, right? We may not want to. There'll be a fear if we've got that true addiction to the stimulus from the uh, all of those notifications and the, the digital hits and everything like that. But we know we can actually take control. Okay? So how do we solve overwhelm? We increase our resources or we decrease the demand. Or if we want to go like fucking expert level, we do both. How do we do it? Oh, don't mind my... I didn't fix my slide up very well, did I? Hmm. Okay. We want to annihilate cognitive load by elimination, simplification, lubrication, and automation. What does that mean? Right? We want to eliminate anything that actually isn't really important, that's just chewing up brain space that we shouldn't be wasting our time on. Bad habits that don't serve us. Playing, like potentially being addicted to video games or which is high level of um, stimulus. And if we're playing um, war games and things like that, we're putting our brains into the fear center as well. Like there's all the, there's a whole lot of other psychological issues that comes with that stuff, right? What things are we doing in our life that we can eliminate that isn't serving us, that's causing too much stimulation in our brains and in our nervous systems? What tasks have we picked up that aren't really important and certainly not urgent? How can we simplify the tasks that we are doing and our actual lives? Where have we got too much clutter? Where have we picked up too much shit? How can we simplify simplify a process? How can we simplify our life? How can we reduce friction? Right? Sometimes we wake up in the morning, you want to go to the gym, you're so overwhelmed about what you've got to do for the day, choosing an outfit just seems like too fucking hard. It's like you stand there staring at it going, why can't I just figure this out? Like all I need is pants and a shirt, but it's like, all of a sudden just seems too much. So a way to simplify would be before you go to bed, if you are calm, you lay your clothes out. You've simplified the process. You've eliminated one decision that you needed to make that day. Kind of goes with the lubrication as well, right? Reducing the friction. Simplification, lubrication is about reducing friction and making it easier for us to do the things we want to do. Greasing the wheel and automation. What can we automate? If we're in full, like if our brains are in full overwhelm, just, and I know Kyle's got the, um, the grocery order list, right? There's a standard set of stuff on there and you've automated the children to order the shit that they need so that it's easier, frictionless and happens, right? We can have, I've got, my, my toilet paper is on subscription. My cosmetics is on subscription. My um, eco uh, washing strips are on subscription. I don't run out, they just arrive. What can you automate in your life? This might be, if you're a business leader, getting an executive assistant or a virtual assistant to take control of your emails and all of the shit that you don't need to be handling. They can be your, anything, anything that you personally don't have to do is an automation system. It doesn't need to be technology. Automated just means you don't do it. You might touch a little bit of it, but it's not up to you to make it push forward. Implementing active recovery, right? We're talking about increasing and decreasing. Implementing active recovery increases our ability to handle load. It decreases our stress. 
we talk a lot in, in this group about implementing active recovery. So active recovery, float tanks, sleep deprivation, walks, breath work, mindfulness, all of these things. Practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness, remember we talked about yesterday for those on the live call? Noticing our fingerprints is mindfulness, being mindful of what it feels like, dropping into the present moment, dropping into our body and out of our brain. Prioritizing sleep. Our brains do not work properly without sleep, rest and recovery. Now, this is an interesting one. Practicing gratitude increases our ability to handle situations. It gives us a look at the bigger picture and what's really important. It changes the chemistry inside of us, which balances out the norepinephrine and the cortisol by giving us the healthier chemicals. Same with exercising regularly, setting boundaries and saying no, because we decrease the demand upon us. I am definitely ADT because I just will pick up everything for everybody. Where do you need to set boundaries and say no to things? Working with your natural biorhythm. So when you've done ideal weight planners with me before, and we've, we've played around and really assessed, are we a morning person? When are we most at peak performance? How many hours do I need personally to sleep? What's the right things to eat for me? How does my system work? When am I feeling the best and the most me? Understanding and studying that so that you know when to put the work in. Some people get shit done and tick things off first thing in the morning. Other people, their creative juices start kicking into the gear somewhere at like 10 o'clock at night. Understanding your natural biorhythm and adjusting your sleep patterns to work for you. Eating well and staying hydrated. We know eating too many carbohydrates crash our glucose, sends our chemicals offline. Sugar derails our brain's ability to focus, right? You'll start, we've talked about making sure we notice when we eat, what happens to us 30 minutes later, two hours later, do we crash? Do we, do we shoot up high and then crash hard? Is it a sustained situation? What does our bodies need to keep our brains online? Garbage in, garbage out. Our brain and our heart is 60 to 70% water. It can't work when it's shriveled up. Mm -hmm. And I think this one is the most important one. Developing connected relationships. This is one of the biggest things that's going to reduce fear in our environments. When we are connected and we think we know that someone's got our back, that we can lean on someone, we can ask for help. We don't feel judgment. We feel love. We feel safe. And when we feel safe and the neocortex comes online, our frontal lobes come online and we can operate in peak performance. So in your workbook, you've got another checklist. I want you to check which one or ones you think would have the biggest impact on reducing your overwhelm or ADT right now? How much better do we feel on a Friday when I force everyone to do their cognitive unload list before they finish and go to the weekend so they can actually declutter their brain and relax on the weekend and roll into Monday not freaking the fuck out because there's so much to do and you haven't got it organized? How much better do you feel when you've been for a massage or had a bath and read a book, been in the float tank, watched the sunrise, taken that space to calm your brain, calm your nervous system, eaten well? How many people say after they've done a juice cleanse, they just feel their brains are on fire because they've eliminated the inflammation foods and the shit that's crashing their system? So let's talk about how we actually annihilate overwhelm and take control of ADT. So these link back to that list, but we need to reduce friction. Now, some of you have done the atomic habits stuff with Kyle and I and six, like if you've done the um, 
our six weeks solid or listen to the podcast on it. So friction, friction to squats gets in the way of us forming the habits and the behaviors that we want, right? Where is there friction in your life? Is it making that decision to go to the gym? Is your gym too far away and there's traffic? Is it not open at the time of day that you want it to be? Do you not eat healthy because every time you get home and there's just no food in your fridge, right? There's friction. So therefore you're like, oh fuck, gotta eat, order Uber Eats. You've gotta reduce the friction. You've gotta make it easier for yourself. This is the simplification, the lubrication, the automation. You can ask yourself when you go to do something and then you give yourself the permission to not do it, what was the thing that you used to give yourself permission? That's the friction that's got to go. Next tip for annihilating overwhelm. You need to decide what is actually urgent, like genuinely real urgent. I'm not going to do it with you guys right now, but in your workbooks, I've given you a table here. I want you to create a list of what you you think is seemingly urgent or important priorities right now for home, work, family, and your life goals. Tanya, I'm thinking of one for you that might be in your, (laughs) right? That could be causing some overwhelm and stress, right? I want you to unpack that. And then I want you to actually assess what ones are really actually urgent based on deadlines, based on consequences, based on real threats to safety or to achieving goals and and knock-on effects. So for work, there's obviously going to be deadlines that need to be met because there's a consequence and a knock-on effect. So I want you to think about what are the real urgencies, okay, and unpack that. Cool. And put the dates next to them. When do they really need to be done by? What's the truth of the matter? Now, the next thing we can do is set a block out period. So when we do six week get shit done plans, often we say, well, during this next six weeks, I'm blocking out doing this, 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 or this, like this is the focus for now. It might be for the next six weeks, I'm not drinking alcohol or eating sugar. Like when we did six weeks solid because of the effects it has on our brain and our ability to perform. It might be, I'm not going out partying. I'm saying no to these things. What do you, what, what can you put in your block out period? So again, in your workbooks, what's the dates that you're going to choose to have a block out for? It might just be for the weekend. It might just be for a couple of days. It might be for a week. I have a block out period. As you guys know, every seven weeks, every, it works out every eight weeks on the seventh week of our plans, is no calls. It's rest week. It's refocus. That So that would be that week is my block out date. And the items to be blocked out is I don't do calls. I don't do podcasts. I don't do keynotes. I don't give up my time to go and help other people do their things because that's my week to focus on my things. It might be a block out time between these hours and these hours, no social media, no notifications, focus on. I keep forgetting to turn my focus off, which has been a bit of a a drama lately, because I turn my focus on on my computer, and then at 10 o'clock at night, I realized that someone was supposed to get back to me, and they did, but I had focus on. But you can set it to do automatic. So really think about what's the items to be blocked out, and what are the dates or times that you're going to do that. Now, contrary to popular belief, even for women, we cannot multitask. Our brains with all of the tabs open is chewing cognitive load. And we have energy getting drained to all the different things. And we know we can't get into flow. And every time we switch tasks, we lose 20 minutes of productivity in peak flow performance. So we can't multitask. One thing at a time, locking down our flow blocks, choosing what we're going to do and then stacking them in linear order, logical order. Do this, then this, then this, then this. Order of sequencing, if it's a knock-on effect, order of importance, order of what's going to free up your cognitive load most. Sometimes it's like the little things that are just chewing up the load, 
And you're like, if I can just fucking clear all that loose ends, then I will be able to concentrate. So right, bang, 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 bang. Knock them out of the park. In your uh, workbook, you've got, an, you've got a box there to put the order in which you'll complete the tasks. So you've made your list of what's all, what you think is urgent and important. You've defined that down to what is actually urgent and needs to be done. You've figured out what your blocks are, and then you're going to put an order in terms of when are you going to get them done by, right? And then I want you to design your flow box. So when you do your ideal week planner, when will you do those particular things based on the task? So assign your energy to them, look at your natural rhythm, look at your calendar, remove the friction and create your flow blocks in your ideal planner, set your boundaries, say no to other things, reduce the distractions by deleting all the notifications and go deep and get it done. You might need to go dark, right? Sometimes I send out a message going, especially to my team, I'm like, I'm going dark. If I've got to do steel work or I've got to create something, I've got to tell people I'm going dark because I can't be disrupted by everyone else's shit while I'm trying to focus. Some people go dark for weeks. If they're writing books or creating something, going dark is like getting rid of all the socials, all the messaging, everything. How good does that feel? Oh my God, that feels so good. I'd love to do that. I'm planning to go dark next Monday. The next way to annihilate overwhelm is surrender. Surrender and embrace the small sacrifices. Embrace not checking the messages. Embrace not going out for that boozy lunch. Instead of having FOMO about missing out on a girl's night or a, or a barbecue, it's like everyone else is going to be having fun, think about what you're going to get out of it on the back end, how you're going to feel the next day the, and how you're going to feel when your cognitive load has been lessened. So surrender to the loss and embrace what the future holds. The next thing is ruthlessly reduce cognitive load. Every time you have a thought about something that needs to be done, put it on a fucking list. Get it out of your brain and into something that you can trust is there. Because the reason why we, we hang on to it is because we're worried that we're going to forget about it. Get ruthless at putting it into ClickUp or Trello or Asana or a list or whatever it is and get it out of your brain. At the end of every fucking day, sit down and unload your brain. Do not go home on Fridays till you've unloaded your brain because it's going to give you the ability to have the present moment enjoyment and not have your brain scattered in a million other ways. Be brutal with your prioritization and walk away from lost causes. Know when to cut your losses. Know when you're flogging a dead horse, right? When you, when you feel like you've just put in so... I actually I was coaching uh, a lady on Friday and she's put all this work into building this business. And when we looked at it, I was like, how much do you need to sell to be able to live on that? I was like, I need to sell 660 of them a week. I was like, okay, over the last six months, how many have you sold? 16. Can I have a problem with that? And it's cute and it's great but it's actually coming at a cost as something else that you can make, they could make $75 an hour profit. So it's like, okay, we need to go, yep, we may have put all this time and energy into something, but is it really the right place for your time and energy? Because everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. Every moment you flog that horse, you're not riding another one. You can't ride two horses with one ass. Right. So you really need to think about it. And, and this is kind of what we we're going through yesterday, Tiny. Like, okay, we've got this great idea, but is it really the right idea? Is it like, although we've developed it, do we stay attached to it? We need to look, look through the consequence of what everything we say yes to. We say no to something else. Think about which horse you're going to put your ass on. Okay. So be super ruthless with your cognitive load and be brutal with your prioritization and be willing to walk away from lost causes. The, the weight that gets lifted off of you once you've done that is, is ridiculously amazing. <laughs> um, okay, the next thing to annihilate overwhelm is to practice radical acceptance. Own it. Own it and talk about it, right? 
So we, because like I said before, our society has made us feel like we have to outgrind everyone, outwork everyone, outcarry everyone, like do more than everyone else can with less resources, right? And not ask for help. That's fucking breaking your ability to be a peak performer and really progress and will end in burnout, right? What we need to do is really be able to own it. And this is about our environments being created for us to be able to be vulnerable, to be able to share, to be able to be safe, own it and say, I'm fucking overwhelmed and I've bitten off more than I can chew or someone's dumped more on me than I can handle and be willing to talk about it and ask for help, ask for strategies, ask for new deadlines, ask for some breathing space. When you're in, when you're having a relationship conversation, be able to say, I need to take a breath right now because my brain's gone offline and come back to it. So what do you need to do to be able to, A, practice radical acceptance on yourself to say that it's okay to say those things. It's okay to feel those things. How do you need to communicate with the other people around you to set up to be able to own it and talk about it? And you as leaders within your orbits, your life and your work, what do you need to do to create an environment that allows those conversations? Do the active recovery. I can't tell you how much different my brain feels for the last few weeks of actually going and doing the float tanks, actually doing my baths. Like it is, I I don't know if I could, with everything that I've had going on lately, I don't think I could have operated at the level I am without forcing myself to do those things. And sometimes it's hard because the brain's like, got all this shit to do. Got to do all this, got to grind, got to do, got to make it, blah, 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 blah. You've got to trust the science. If nothing else, trust the science. The active recovery will pay unbelievable dividends on your performance, creativity, ability to react, uh, to respond and not react, and to create better solutions to problems if you force yourself to do the active recovery. And then the last one for annihilating overwhelm is to be able to look at the bigger picture. Don't sweat the small stuff. So remembering like, is it a really, is there really a saber toothed tiger about to fucking eat me if I don't get this done right now? If I don't check my Facebook messages and write back to these people, is someone gonna actually die? Probably not, right? Look at the bigger picture. If it doesn't make the boat go faster, Fuck it off. If it doesn't play to your bigger plans and your true purpose and your true values and your real goals, your end goals, not your means goals, you need to really ask yourself, why am I getting so worked up over it? So in your workbook, I've got pretty much little worked sections for you for each of these things that I want you to do after this. I want you to Take some space, some active recovery to journal on these things. Ask yourself, what are your flow blocks? How could you go dark, even if it's for short periods of time? How can you change the lens in which you look at a situation? So actually that's one thing I didn't touch on. So let me talk about that. So this is where we, we look at your, the mindset model, right? The lens we look at it, if everything's always happening to me, it's not fair, it's like, it's personal, it's permanent. I'm like, we, we freak out more, but if we put a lens of negativity over something, if we're in that bottom circle and going, everything happens to me, I'm a victim of my circumstance. I'm not in control. Then, then you will look at it. And if you constantly are using that language on yourself, if you're constantly telling yourself you're overwhelmed, I'm overworked. I've got too much to do. I can't handle this. Why does everyone come to me? Why do I have to do this? It's not fair that blah, blah. I wish somebody else could do it. If we're constantly talking to ourselves like that, and that's the lens that we're looking at things through, if we're thinking that it's going to be a permanent situation, like this problem is going to be permanently affect our life, if we take it on personally, like it means something about who we are as a human and we get offended, if we are in the victim mindset, that's going to elevate our fear 
and our anxiety, which is going to drive our prefrontal, our frontal lobe and our neocortex offline and start dumping the norepinephrine and the cortisol. Change your language. I get to do this. I choose to do this. I'm blessed to be able to have this experience or to have this choice. I can look at this and decide what's important when we, I choose to do this job. Remember, we all have a choice. Everyone chooses to do the job that they are. Everyone chose to have their children. Everyone chose to be in the situation that they're in. We can make a better choice. And as soon as we take control and recognize that it is our choice, life is a choice, it is what we choose. You take your power back, you bring your brain back online and you take control of the situation and you calm your system. So I want you just to really pay attention when these things are happening and you're feeling like fully stressed out, what's the words that you're hearing in your, what's the language you're using on yourselves? Unfair, too much, everything happens to me. Why doesn't other people, like just notice those things and dump them down. And I want you to say, what else could you say? What's the lens that you could put over this? What's the different language you could use? Where do you need to take control and extreme ownership over where you were at cause and how can you then change the course? Okay. Um, There's a spot there for you to uh, write down how you're going to practice, like what's your habit going to be for unloading your cognitive unload list? Are you going to have an alarm in your calendar 20 minutes before your end of your work day every, every day that tells you to write your list? Are you going to have it in your calendar on Friday afternoons to not go, like to go off before you're supposed to go when you're going to do it? Do you need a reminder in your phone? What's going to help you to get into the practice of building your cognitive unload list? Okay, there's a spot there for you to have a look at who you need to talk to, to be able to talk about it, own it, and work through it. Cool. What will, what will be your active recovery sessions? So what's active, what's, what feels great for you for active recovery? Are you, in a, are you nearby a, a city cave that you've now got a corporate alliance with, so you've got a discount to go float, right? What, can you, what is gonna be the things that you go to? Because again, we wanna reduce friction and make it simple. So we need to know what's in our tool belt. We've talked about energy state tool belts before. We want to be able to go, I'm overloaded. I'm going to do this. This is where I go. I've already done the research. Not Now I have to search for a thing. Then I need to see that and wonder how much it is. And uh, it's more overwhelm. Right? So make your list so that you can just go to it. You've got, like, maybe you have a playlist. You've got, like, noise-canceling headphones. What is it for you? Is it just a walk around the block? Where will you walk to? Do you keep shoes in your car? so that you can do it. So let's talk about now how to safeguard yourself from the sensory overload, those environmental factors. So some of the common symptoms for sensory overload, the environmental impacts that take our brains offline, difficulty focusing due to sensory input, right? Which can be sound, light, things like visual stimulation everywhere, vibration, smells so what what's the sensory input around you and how can you take control over that right sensory overload um symptoms are you're irritable so take notice like if you go into something and something's really loud and you get irritable that's probably one of your triggers for sensory overload bright lights that give you a headache and make it hard for you to focus makes you irritable that might be one of your sensory overloads so what you want to do is Figure out what situations make you feel irritable and that's potentially going to be one of your triggers. Causes, like those things causes restlessness comfort. If you feel like you need to shield your eyes or cover your ears, you get overly excited or wound up. That's not me. Right? I think the sun, artificial suns might be a, a sensory overload thing for me, right? <laughs> Stress, fear or anxiety about your surroundings. They're all symptoms of sensory overload. They're the things you want to pay attention to when you feel those things coming on. 
what is the what's the sensory stuff that's happening to you or around you at that point in time i'm not going to worry about that right now so how do we how do we deal with it okay protect your eyes with blue light reduction filters <laughs> glasses wear sunglasses in bright lights have your screens on to the blue light light reduction minimize your screen time we know that our brains don't sleep properly if we've been watching high action games or tv things because of the rapid eye movement loud sounds fast sounds they they keep our brains alert right how can you reduce the noise and like maybe you wear noise cancelling headphones when you're in the office or when you're trying to focus maybe you actively listen to different brain waves to calm yourself do you regularly use a sleep deprivation tank or, or um, sensory deprivation techniques? If you find that when you're in a meeting, so for me specifically because, so this is what I was told for my ADHD, the reason why I can't hear properly is my brain, my RAS, is constantly picking up all of the sounds around me and my eyes dart. So if I want to be able to stay focused in a conversation, and I, so I can hear properly, I need to have my back to the room because I need the sound not to be coming into my ears and I need my eyes not to be pattern putting things together, right? So for me to be able to be truly focused in a meeting and most calm, I need my back to whatever other stimulus is happening because I say I need to see, I say I need to see the lips to be able to focus, but it's actually... Oh, sorry, the lips to be able to hear. I thought it was lip reading. It's actually because when I focus on the lips, I'm not focusing on all of the other things that are going on around me. So there's some common traits there between the ADT and the ADHD, right? So really think about that. Like how do you set yourself up for a success if you're going into a meeting or into a networking event? What can you do to curate your environment? Like really think about this with your mini humans as well, right? If they are lean towards ADHD, maybe it's because when we go to a rest and, and like they get overstimulated, when we sit them at a restaurant, they can see everything and everything's like fucking excited and going around. Turn them around, drop down the sensory information coming in. Think about if you're going into a hyper stimulating environment, what's your clear action plan? Like I've just talked about, I know what I now need to do to be able to do that. I didn't, I didn't realize that I, I didn't have cognitive awareness over that stuff. But I know that when I went to a networking event the other night at the restaurant, I was, they sat me in the middle of the table and it was hell. And I actually got up and moved because we had two tables back to back and my ears were facing both, both groups of tables, except for the people, like I had the people beside me, I had the people in front of me and then a whole nother table. And my brain was like, I knew there was certain people I need to, to meet. Everything was just fucking darting around. I couldn't pay attention to anyone that was speaking to me. And I said to Jace, can I just switch seats with you? And the minute I sat on the other side, I only could hear the people that were directly around me. And I wasn't, I couldn't see all the other things moving and I was able to drop in and have the conversation and I didn't have that awareness until I wrote this last night. So my action plan now, I'm like, fuck mate. My action plan now, next time I go to the networking event, I will specifically ask for where I'm going to sit. I find that I pull myself into corners where like if someone's standing in the corner, I'll go talk to that person because I can be focused on them but I didn't realize that that's what I was doing I actually thought it was because I had a hearing issue I didn't know the hear I didn't know that my hearing issue was actually ADHD I actually have perfect hearing so think about how you can have an action plan if you know that you get overly stimulated take off your watch if you've got that don't have your phone on vibrate if it's going to pattern interrupt you like what can you do to stay in control Everyone's got a workbook to go through to be able to take control and annihilate their overwhelm. <laughs> but what I would love is if, because I've got Tani and Kyle on live, I'd love to hear from you two some of your biggest ahas or takeaways or action items from that session. Um, I guess for me, my biggest kind of aha moments were just like recognizing all of those different things and that they are overwhelmed. That's what they are. Um, 
like specifically, you know, feeling like I can't focus on anything, feel like I'm missing something, um, feeling like I'm rushed and all of that sort of stuff. So I didn't really know that those were specifically things that I was feeling because I was overwhelmed. Um, So that was my biggest one. Beautiful. And do you have a couple of things that, um, that you think will help you to start managing? Yeah, definitely doing the list of writing down everything and then actually going through and what are actually, what is actually urgent? What do I actually need to do? Um, also setting boundaries, um, and pushing back if, if I genuinely don't think I'm going to be able to do it. Perfect. Yeah. And a lot of time, like people haven't thought they've just kind of plucked a number from somewhere, but once you've accepted that now they have an expectation. So most people are more than happy to go, oh, actually, yeah, we can talk about that. Or, oh, God, no, I didn't. And a lot of people who set our our deadlines have no idea what's involved in the project. So when you talk it through, they're like, oh, shit, no, I could never expect you to get that done in that time. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Kyle? I was going to say it's a bit of an overwhelm you're asking that right now. (laughs) Ah, Cheeky. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I think probably just going back to the bigger picture, the goals and virtues and um, mm. just, just deciding where it all sits. Yeah, yeah. What will be your action item for that then? How will you do that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Make time to do that, I guess. Make time to step yeah. out of it all. Yeah. Take the time to reflect back, to look over those things and remind yourself so that you can realign to your North Star beautiful well thank you both for staying on i know we we actually went a little bit longer and i'm sorry for that it's the first time i've obviously presented that content uh so i'm totally unusual for you (laughs) yes so thank you um i appreciate you both and i look forward to seeing what your workbooks look like in our one-on-ones cool good sharing (laughs) (laughs) thanks jane Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Team Engineered podcast. Are you ready to build a kick-ass team, weaponize your workforce, and live an epic life? If so, connect with us at www.teamengineered.com. And while you're at it, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.